Welcome to the Mom Tuition Podcast, where we help ambitious moms tap into their intuition, find their purpose, and live their best life. I'm your host, Katie. Join me each week as we dive into career, business, self-development, and personal growth. Get inspired by successful moms and experts who have been in your shoes. This is your weekly dose of motivation and practical tips to unlock your true potential. Let's dive in. Hey, what's up, moms? And welcome back to the Mom Tuition Podcast. I'm Katie, your host, and it's been a couple of weeks. I, you know, the early stages right after you give birth, the baby sleeps a lot, and you kind of have this hormone high of adrenaline. And I was doing all the things, and then I just kind of got hit by a bus. And so my and my husband, Toffer, was gone for work, and when he got back, I just, you know, wanted to soak up time with him, and I just kind of put the podcast on hold for a couple weeks, and I wanted to come back inspired. I, I want to bring some guests on. Um, and really start to uh, build this podcast even more than than I have right now. I got big goals um, about helping moms tap into their intuition and follow their gut. And obviously that doesn't mean never uh, indulging in information and going down a rabbit hole and researching. I'm huge on researching things and educating myself. But when I read things, I don't want to just take them verbatim. I take them and I see what resonates, see what doesn't and leave it. And so anytime on the podcast, when I bring guests on or when I'm sharing, keep that in mind uh, for yourself. What Take what resonates, leave what doesn't. And As always, I hope most of all you leave feeling seen and inspired. You also are going to hear baby Paxton. I have him in the Solly wrap again, so you're going to hear his little cooing while he sleeps. Um, And yeah, those are are his little noises. Okay, so first I'm going to give some updates just on life. or Paxton, almost, I'm already mixing up my kids' names. Um, Paxton is going to be six weeks old tomorrow. And, you know, there aren't too many differences yet. I Not that I want to do a ton of comparing and contrasting, but you only have this one experience so far. I think the differences, I don't think that much about sleep and feeding. I I deleted, initially I had downloaded the same app. I think I used Glow Baby. And it was an app for tracking feeding, uh, wet and poopy diapers, sleep, uh, pumping, all that jazz. And two weeks or three weeks into having Paxton, I was like, I'm not doing this again. And I deleted the app. And now I'm just completely going off of cues and just letting things flow and it feels so good it is freeing I'm barely even keeping track of what boob I last breastfed with I literally feel each boob if I forgot and just go with the one that feels heavier um and again it's freeing it's like you feed your child they will sleep if they're struggling to sleep in one way you try something else. Um, we have had witching hour for sure. And, um, you know, he really likes movement. He won't take a pacifier like Grayson did. Grayson took a pacifier um, easily. And Paxton keeps spitting it out and gagging. I haven't tried different ones yet. We're using the soothing ones right now. Um, Grayson uses and use the bibs ones we started him with the soothe ones as well the phillips advent soothe pacifier i think they come in like green and blue and um and then we transitioned i bought like the bibs ones because i wanted these really cute ones and i feel like that bulb on the end yes it helps keep it in uh his mouth 
but I feel like it also didn't support our breastfeeding journey. This is all just speculation. I have no data on this. Just my own mind, my intuition um, feels this way because that bulb on a bibs pacifier, that's not similar to at least my own nipple. <laughs> so um, I'm like really reluctant to get bibs pacifiers for Paxton and try them. Um, so we've just been using our pinkies and it works really well uh, to soothe. And eventually he starts to relax and I use movement, whether that's walking, lights really distract him. So Finding lights for him to look look at or looking out the window has been helping, but that's definitely something that, you know, I, again, I'm just kind of like, we'll figure it out and here are the tools and I'm going to try these different tools and see what works for Paxton. So, uh, that's, yeah, so witching hour, which is a little crazy with two because especially Grayson sleeps in bed with us and early on um, in those first few weeks, it's been pretty easy. And even now, it's not it's not hard necessarily with Grayson. Um, we have such a strong bedtime routine. It's more so than navigating uh, Paxton because of the witching hour and... Toffer, my husband leaves again for another work trip. He's going to Kona, Hawaii for the Ironman World Championships for the women. So I'm on bedtime duty uh, solo. And so last night I kind of practice soothing during witching hour while getting Grayson down to sleep. And it worked and it went okay. So that felt good. It's more so just I want to make sure that I help both kids and sometimes they need help at the same time and with witching hour and trying to get a, uh, Grayson down, it's now simultaneous. So it's it's a little wild, but um, as long as I try to, you know, stay calm and sometimes I feel bad. Grayson wants me to cuddle him and I have to say I'm I'm just right here next to you. My leg is touching you. I'm singing a song to you. I'm right here supporting you. Um, but it's hard because I'm not giving him everything that he wants in that moment, uh, which just is hard because I, I do love cuddling him to sleep. So, you know, as you go about these changes there's no question that it can be hard on yourself, not just your kids through the change. Grayson continues to adapt so well. You know, he um, he just listened and, and took my response and, and went to sleep. And that almost breaks my heart more that he is so willing. It's kind of like, oh, man, I just, I don't know. You know, there's that emotional side that comes up in all of the changes and, and these things. But anyway, um, Paxton overall is doing really well. Grayson's doing re- really well. Gra- we're finding Grayson that when Paxton is in the bouncer, um, Grayson comes over and reads books to Paxton. This morning I was making a coffee and I looked over and he was playing peekaboo. <laughs> and it's just, it's, I don't know where he came up with peekaboo. I haven't done that with Paxton yet. Um, so, and I haven't seen anyone else do it. So it's it's really adorable. And Grayson has this nurturing side that's just so, so beautiful. Um, but we are having a lot of like the toddler power struggles and I'm working on diffusing them um, the best that I can when they come up with me. And that's what inspired today's podcast episode uh, is, you know, the different parenting styles and they come up in with toddlers when there are these uh, power struggle moments where a toddler is standing their ground and they want something and we are standing our ground and saying no or trying to redirect and uh, there we are setting our own boundaries, loving limits, however you want to say it, or just, you know, setting rules. 
And I had these three other podcast topics that I was thinking of doing and I polled you guys. And this one just resonated with me more right now because I started thinking about all the different types of parenting. And I read, I recently just finished a book called Parenting from the Inside Out by Dr. Daniel Siegel. And um, I found it so interesting and helpful. And, but it also got me thinking they share, you know, it's written by a, a woman as well. And they're both psychologists and they share these moments where things didn't go how they had wanted them to go, where they were triggered or they got dysregulated and they did not parent the way that they wanted to. And we all have these moments where we have this desire to parent a certain way, but then we fall victim to um, parenting differently or getting dysregulated or saying something that doesn't make sense. And it got me thinking about how black and white sometimes the parenting world can be and the types of parenting. And I was thinking about my own day in the life as a parent and how I might do all the styles of parenting in one day. And so I thought it would be fun to go through the different styles of parenting And then talk about times where, you know, I have a moment of doing it like this, doing it like that. Um, And I just want to bring up how gray this area of parenting is and how we as parents are, you know, we have different temperaments for kids. We aren't all the same as parents. You know, you know your family best. You know your kids best. You know yourself. And you are doing the best that you can to help guide your kids, to help them be the best that they can be, right? Trying to set our kids up for success in life once they leave the house and, and come, you know, and grow up. And so that's that's really what we're all trying to do is parent our kids so that they can be successful in society, feel good about themselves, feel good in, uh, in relationships, whether romantic or with friends or with colleagues. And we're just trying to set them up for success in all of the different areas of their life. So let's get into it. Um, Oh, real quick, I did have my six-week checkup and everything looked great. So I am cleared officially for exercise. I did start doing a little bit of running uh, last week because I just felt so good and I am excited and it felt, it did feel good. And so I am, thought I'd give an update on the fitness side. I'm continuing the expecting and empowered um, recovery or strength training program from uh, a vaginal birth. And so I'm doing my pelvic floor and core restoration exercises along with their return to running program. And um, I'm going to do that for a little while, at least um, a month or two. And then I might switch over to Madeline Moves. Um, And I can put these in the show notes um, because I think it's, you know, if you're interested in expecting and empowered, I know they have a prenatal program and obviously this uh, postnatal program. And if you're in that world right now, that might be helpful. And Madeline Moves is a, I'm a longtime uh, subscriber of hers. I have subscribed to her now for five years and uh, her uh, workouts have just changed my life. And I love, uh, I Everything she says, our values um, in terms of fitness, our values that I hold as well and beliefs that I have that everything is about consistency and habit building and less about motivation. So, okay, those are my uh, updates in terms of just personal updates, what's going on. And now let's jump into parenting styles. So... I looked up just to get a good grasp of all the different parenting styles. And 
in general, psychologists used to refer um, to three different parenting styles, authoritative, authoritarian, and permissive. And then that evolved, that was in 1971, where that was the first study of different parenting styles um, of preschoolers. And then that evolved to include a fourth style, which was neglectful parenting. Um, And now it's at seven styles. So as you can see, um, just like a lot of things in life, uh, there, as people come up with their own ideology, things disperse and uh, there becomes a lot more styles um, or versions of things. So here we go. Here are the seven that we're going to talk about today. Gentle parenting, authoritative parenting, permissive parenting, authoritarian parenting, attachment parenting, free-range parenting, and helicopter parenting. So the I actually want to start from the bottom up or the last one I said um, because I feel like it goes kind of more towards uh, the latest research or the latest style of parenting that has evolved in that... Um, that list that I just read. So let's start with helicopter parenting. So helicopter parenting is, these are the types of parents that I uh, I think people see as over-involved. Uh, they, they are the ones that are swooping in to solve kids' problems before they have a chance to feel any pain or discomfort. They don't want their kid to cry ever or to struggle Um, they want to, you know, they're talking to teachers. They want to know all the kids. They, I mean, to a point that you're over-involved, you are hovering, um, and you aren't allowing space for mistakes or independence. You're constantly trying to be proactive, um, but in a way that prevents kids from ever experiencing struggles or discomfort. So, you know, the the challenges with this is um, kids of helicopter parents tend to turn out less resilient than peers who have had a, a lifetime of practice getting over obstacles. And uh, they the problem with this is that they never get a chance to flex their problem-solving muscles on their own, so they never really face any significant challenges, and learn those coping mechanisms, right? So you have the helicopter parent. Next, you have free-range parenting. So free-range parenting is... ...enforced. So it's kind of like you know, free-range chickens. They still have some type of fencing, but they're allowed to roam, I suppose. So this was, this is, okay, we have these kind of boundaries, if you will, within um, the family or the expectations, but within this, you are um, allowed to go roam and explore. And... What's um, what they discovered uh, through a study was it permits enough exploration for kids to come up against limits naturally. And so free-range parenting is kind of closer to authoritative parenting versus permissive because they're guiding parents are guiding their children through their independent experiences. So this kind of, means that kids are kind of taking the lead and parents are kind of there to catch them, um, you know, if they fall. So one big caveat for free-range parents, though, is that states have widely different laws and statutes about the ages kids have to be before they're allowed to be unsupervised at home or in a car. So it's interesting, right? Like free-range is we have these limitations but you still it's within the the law versus just kind of do whatever the heck you want 
Um, okay, so that is uh, free-range parenting. Next, we have attachment parenting. And I remember learning about this because I was learning about different attachment styles. And I was like, learning when we started bed sharing with Grayson, I was learning about um, bed sharing is a huge part of attachment parenting. And so I was learning about it, but then it was kind of feeling like a little um, more than what, what I think we were trying to do. But bed sharing is a huge uh, proximity um, is a huge part of attachment parenting. So attachment parenting, closeness fosters a strong family connection. That's kind of the foundation of it. It has eight principles or parenting practices. Um, and it is believed it will help the child develop secure bonds uh, with between, you know, children and their parents. So it's preparing for pregnancy, birth, and parenthood, feeding with love and respect, responding with sensitivity, using nurturing touch and physical contact, including baby wearing, ensuring safe sleep, physically and emotionally, providing consistent love and care, practicing positive discipline, and striving for balance between personal and family life. So this was popularized by Dr. Bill Sears and his wife, Martha Sears. And uh, both of them, the Sears... Uh, they found benefits of a close bond between parents and babies. They claim that babies of attachment parents cry less and have fewer behavior problems, freeing up more time to grow, learn, and develop. Oh, Paxton. I'm not sure that I'm cut out for multitasking. Alrighty. This is all in real time. So, uh, that was hard. Um, okay, so attachment parenting is really about, you know, this whole idea of, of creating secure attachments through breastfeeding or baby wearing. And in that first year of life is really the foundation for attachment parenting. Um, and then, okay, next is authoritarian parenting. So this is... Uh, strict rules are hard to follow if you don't offer any guidance. And authoritarian parenting is about having high expectations, but um, and also resorting to harsh punishments. And authoritarian parenting can lead to behavior problems. So those are kind of the top bullet points. Um, this style of parenting is characterized by both high demands and low responsiveness. Uh, this means that parents focus on strict rules and harsh discipline. A authoritarian parents believe that children are by nature strong-willed and self-indulgent. They value obedience to higher authority as a virtue unto itself. So authoritarian parents see their primary job as um, bending the will of the child to that of authority, meaning that, you know, authoritarian parenting's like, I'm the parent, I'm the boss, and you're the child, and you do what I say. Now, what's interesting is children of authoritarian parents have now shown that they are, um, they tend to be somewhat more depressed and have lower self-esteem, and that they are also more likely to become bullies. So that's really interesting. Again, I, I want to, you know, as you keep in mind, you might be thinking about your own childhood and what um, your parents were like. And they might have fallen. Again, I think that there's a lot of gray area. We might use um, a certain style the majority of the time, but then there are these moments where other styles have come into the picture. I do feel like, you know, I was born in 1984. I think parents of children who were born in the 80s, I, and even maybe like my parents' parents, my grandparents, um, I, I think authoritarian parenting um, was, and or like the majority of parenting was common, right? It was like, spanking and timeouts and, um, you know, just 
harsh discipline with these really high expectations of, um, you know, going to college and being a straight A student and following the rules. Um, and there, you know, there was, there's some greatness to some of this, but I also think, um, if it also creates a lot of rebellion. Um, so I think when there, when the rules are and the expectations are too high, right, too strict, um, I think kids tend to rebel. So authoritarian parenting, um, that, I don't know if you guys resonate with that, but I definitely feel like it was really common in, in the 80s and definitely my parents' parents. So I would say in, in the 50s as well. Um, then you have permissive parenting, which is like on the whole other side of authoritarian parenting. And this is really staying out of the kid's way um, and just kind of allowing them to do whatever they want. Permissive parents do not enforce rules. So the stereotypical permissive parents are the ones who see themselves as their, as their children's friend and not a figure of authority. And that's kind of the foundation. Um, permissive parents have a hard time setting limits with their children. And um, because of that, parents are more likely to ignore bad behavior and to give in against their better judgment with the, when their child gets upset. So it's almost like permissive parents tend to maybe get triggered by those uncomfortable feelings. And so they just give in all the time and let the kid do what they want to do. Um, but it has been shown that, um, oh, one other thing, permissive parents uh, tend to be like permissive parents. Um, neglectful parents provide no structure or rules, um, but permissive parents are still involved unlike neglectful parents, so just not in a traditional way. Um so they're, they're there, they're, but they want to be their friend, right? And so they aren't quite setting uh, limits or uh, they aren't, um, you know, teaching kids that there are consequences for bad behavior. They're kind of just letting them be uh, how they want to be. Now, this article, just like I was sharing with authoritarian parenting, talks about how uh, kids of permissive parents are more likely to show signs of anxiety and depression, be aggressive, have bad social skills, and do poorly in school. Um, adults who are neglected uh, or who have uh, permissive parents. Um, oh, this article continues to compare kind of permissive and neglectful. But ultimately, these kids uh, of permissive parents struggle to have independence and uh, they, they struggle long-term with that and, and struggle to, to trust themselves um, as they needed their parents' guidance. So, okay, next is, is kind of the last two styles of parenting, um, which are a little uh, more modern. These are kind of newer concepts and newer ways of, you know, trending parenting, I will say, um, styles. So authoritative parenting is a highly involved style that has great results for kids. These parents set high standards for their kids, but also give them lots of guidance to help achieve those sta standards. Parents are likely to use techniques like positive discipline instead of strict, um, my way or the highway rules. And studies show that kids raised in this way often do well socially and academically. So the most successful of the parenting styles identified by Dr. Baumrind, authoritative, authoritative parenting is characterized by high demands, but also high responsiveness. And so that means parents have big but still age-appropriate expectations for their kids, and they stay attuned to their kids' needs and help them meet those expectations. Um, ultimately research has shown that this style of parenting, children are more likely to enjoy positive relationships with their peers, to do well in school and to become independent and self-sufficient. And 
compared to uh, children of parents who have taken more of the authoritarian, permissive, or or neglectful approach. And so this is different. Authoritative is different than authoritarian. And authoritative is, again, setting those boundaries, those loving limits. It is saying no, but it's also that positive discipline, um, which you know, this this concept of positive discipline is kind of the opposite of um, timeouts and things that are kind of isolating. It's a method where parents clearly communicate what behaviors are appropriate and which are inappropriate. So let me give an example of this with Grayson. It's teaching him, for example, he loves for some reason to put his feet on the, the kitchen, the kitchen table and he also used to climb on it and so it's teaching him that we don't put our feet where we eat right we don't climb on the kitchen table we don't put our feet there our feet stay on our chair and so it's teaching him that you know we don't behavior that is inappropriate and behavior that is appropriate and what the rewards for good behavior and the consequences for bad behavior are. And it's positive discipline doesn't use yelling, spanking, or severe punishment. Experts find that it is motivating and effective for kids. So we can kind of get more into uh, positive discipline, but I think it's worth talking about since it's kind of a newer concept. Um and so real quick, I just want to say the, the five principles of positive discipline. Kind and firm at the same time helps children feel a sense of belonging and significance. It is effective long term. It teaches valuable social and life skills for good character and invites children to discover how capable they are and to use their personal power in constructive ways. It's a parenting philosophy based on encouragement, empowerment, and mutual respect. Um, and again, we can go into this in, uh, you know, further detail because I think that this concept is a little bit harder to execute than just saying we put our feet on our chair, not on the table, and getting a toddler to um, adhere to that because toddlers are always pushing boundaries, and so are teenagers. You know, there's a a um, short time period, I think, where kids are uh, obedient, if you will. And children are supposed to push the boundaries and they're supposed to test limits to figure out where their own values lie and to learn about these behaviors. So I think what's most important is staying consistent and you're gonna, it's not gonna take one time for kids to learn through positive um, discipline, but it's also not going to work very well um, for them to learn through uh, things that are illogical consequences like a timeout or, um, uh, you know, um, spanking or yelling. But there are moments where um, safety might come into play. And this is where I was talking about gray area that some techniques might be used from other parenting styles, but reframed in in a way or used in a situation where it was necessary. And and I want to talk about that after I get into the last style of parenting, which is gentle parenting. So gentle parenting is a style that requires a lot of empathy. It's a parenting style known for compassion, respect, and trust. Parents who are not considered figures of authority are charged with managing kids' emotions through empathy. Gentle parenting has great results, but also takes a lot of effort. Um, so this this parenting style is like the latest trending uh, parenting style. It's received a lot of media attention recently. And its goal is to develop a strong parent-child bond and a relationship filled with trust. As a result, parents are seen more like collaborators instead of figures of authority, and parents are encouraged to empathize with their kids' feelings. Now, this tactic is all about assigning a feeling or um, t- 
to how what the kid's behavior or um what the kid might be feeling so again it's saying like oh it's disappointing uh when you don't get what you want i understand that you really wanted to get that truck at the store uh but we are not getting trucks right now and so you kind of start with addressing the emotion and um you this is where i think a lot of parents get drained by this parenting style because you constantly have to empathize from the sun up to sundown and the toddler might still have a tantrum or might not be compliant, if you will. And so the theory is awesome, but being consistent with it can be kind of challenging. And that's where um, I think a lot of psychologists that I have been following now are focusing on like the parenting from the inside out um, Dr. Becky, uh, good inside. She just did a Ted talk on this. Um, and again, uh, Dr. Daniel Siegel talks about this in all of his books, um, on parenting, but the value of repair. And I was going to talk about this in its, in its own podcast topic, but we are going to have moments where we are authoritarian, where we are permissive, where we are helicoptering, where we are free ranging, where we, you know, all these different parenting styles. And so what's most important of all of this is to acknowledge when you made a mistake and then repair, whatever that is. Maybe you had a permissive moment where you, you know, your kid was begging for ice cream and uh, before dinner and you're trying to get dinner ready and you have, um, I don't know, uh, another kid is crying and you're, you know, your phone's ringing and your mom's trying to call you or whatever it is and there's a lot going on so you just say, fine, have a few bites of ice cream. And then it's like everything starts to calm down and you're like, no, we can't have ice cream before dinner. So then you might up, you might acknowledge mommy made a mistake. Ice cream isn't allowed before dinner. I'm so sorry that I, um, you know, this is not something that I want to encourage or whatever you might say, but you just acknowledge I made a mistake and we don't have ice cream before dinner. Um, we eat our dinner first and then we can maybe have ice cream. And then there's other types of repair where maybe you yelled or you, um, you know, put your kid in timeout without any type of explanation or empathy. And so then, um, okay, so yeah, I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is you're going to have these moments where you might do things one way and then you might do something another way and because we're not perfect and we're not going to be perfect parents and I think what you want to do is look at these parenting styles and read the research and think about what makes sense the majority what style do you want to try to emulate most of the time what style do you feel like suits you, your family, your kids, and what what kind of values, what kind of outcome are you hoping for with your kids? I think that's like a huge part of it is that what what kind of outcome are you hoping for? And, you know, I think for me, and you probably can hear it when I describe different things um, or kind of shared a little bit of my own experience so far. I I definitely feel like in our family, we're kind of, you know, a mix be- between authoritative parenting and gentle parenting, setting loving limits, setting boundaries, and while also allowing kids to feel all all the emotions and not trying to fix it and allowing 
our kids to understand that you can feel, you know, you think about meditation, right? And, and a lot of meditation is trying to teach us as adults that we are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. And to let our thoughts come and go. And feelings are fleeting. Thoughts are fleeting. Um, and so when we attach to these things is when, um, you know, that's the whole point of meditation is to de hatch and to come back to feeling grounded and you know I am this body I am um you know and I am my breath and so I think a lot of this is things that I didn't necessarily learn as a kid I didn't learn how to regulate my emotions and I still can be triggered and it's hard learning to take a breath and not be reactive, right? As an adult, you know, there's a lot of books and I've read a lot of books learning about responding instead of reacting. And a lot of times we have to take a break to come back to respond versus react. And our tone changes. And this is something that Toffer and I talk about a lot is is tone in our delivery. And that can be everything. And so I think, you know, I definitely come from a little bit of a bias in terms of of what we are trying to emulate, but we totally have our moments of, um, you know, saying no, and and just um, and being exhausted or um, being permissive. I think that's actually more common. Is like trying. We're, we've been trying to set. Um, boundaries and loving limits with uh Grayson's pacifier and you know there's a lot of change going on in his world he started preschool he has a new little brother mommy and daddy aren't available in the same capacity that that we were before baby brother came along and he's also just a toddler who is going through emotional development right now and so there are definitely, uh, we've become more permissive with the pacifier and we are letting him have it um, m- way more than he did prior to Paxton coming along. And we can almost need like a reset, which is kind of what we've decided um, in a way is like, we just need a reset and then we're going to tackle uh, getting rid of it once Toffer gets back from uh, Kona. Because it's just we've become almost too permissive with it. Now, we still have some physical limitations with it. Like you can't go outside with it. Um, and or if you're talking, you have to take it out of your mouth. And he talks all the time. And that's where the frustration is coming from with this is he seriously wants to talk all the time. And we don't want him talking with his papa in multi for multiple reasons. Um, number one is wanting to understand him. And number two is you don't want to talk with something in your mouth. That's not how we speak. Um, so anyway, we are having these permissive moments. And so it's trying to empathize with him while also setting, um, you know, these expectations of we don't talk with a pacifier in our mouth. Um, and so it's the point of this whole podcast is to let go of the concept of being a perfect parent in whatever that capacity means to you with these different styles, that parenting is a combination of parenting styles. These are broken down for psychological reasons, for research, and to understand which type, um, what what the outcome of each type is for children. And I think it's important to understand that so that you can kind of go, okay, I'm going to try my best to um, implement or emulate this style of parenting. Uh, but it's also, we're not going to do it perfect 100% of the time. And that's where repair is important, apologizing, teaching, vulnerability, that we make mistakes, that we aren't perfect. 
Um, and acknowledging that is huge in, I think, the parenting journey. And so, you know, really the foundation of, of this podcast, and I hope to bring on some experts in, um, in the parenting discipline world today and, uh, and interview them for you all. But again, take, take what resonates, take what works for your family. I think there are moments where I know I have friends who have had to, you know, use timeouts because of safety. And it's not their ideal way to discipline, but they have to restrain the kid and they have to um, remove them from a situation because they don't want, um, you know, furniture broken or another kid hurt in the household or themselves hurt or the kid themselves that's doing the um, tantruming or throwing or biting or hitting, etc. And so it's, it's about safety. But um, so I, I know that there are moments where we have to utilize some of these other strategies um, and to acknowledge that parenting is gray. It is. It is a gray area. And so at the end of the day, know that you are doing your best. Your parents did their best. And the best thing that you really can do is Arm yourself with information. Arm yourself with the latest research. Understand what you could be trying and use use trial and error with your own kid. If something isn't working and you're not seeing a result the way that you'd like, maybe try something else. Um, I know for us with Grayson specifically in the toddler years, when we identify the emotion and we allow for him to feel the emotion, but then put the boundary on the behavior, you can feel sad or disappointed, but you cannot throw or you cannot hit. Um, his is more kick than hit. You, you cannot kick. Um, we can play, but you cannot kick in, me in the head. Um, you can be excited. He, his is more around excitement. But anyway, when we acknowledge that emotion, majority of the time, he moves through that emotion faster and the tantrum does um, de-escalate very quickly. Or when I say simply like, I will not let you kick me. And when I use that instead of we, I will not let you kick me. And I grab his foot and I push it down and I hold it and not in it's firm and kind again it de-escalates it's wild for our kid it works wonders allowing him to feel his feelings but saying no to the behavior if it's a negative behavior so um anyway I hope this was helpful uh we definitely are are figuring this all out and it doesn't look perfect here and um, it took us 30 minutes to get Grayson dressed this morning and out the door for preschool. I mean, that's why you got to start this. <laughs> you got to start um, the getting dressed early because you don't know how long it's going to take with the negotiations, <laughs> if you will. Um, but or even being silly, um, all these things. And I could go into all of our own power struggles that we have. I mean, it used to be brushing teeth. Now he loves it. And I think he loves it because he knows it prolongs bedtime. So now it's like, brush my teeth, um, which is hilarious because now it's like we're trying to get him to bed, but we also want him to brush his teeth. And he wins um, in that because it's like, yeah, we got to brush your teeth. Um, but then he takes forever brushing his teeth or washing his hands. Um, but, you know, in those moments, we are, um, I see us trial and erroring different strategies. Um, and it's sometimes nothing works. And you just have to say, we're getting you dressed. And there's no time for the parenting because they, you got to get your kid out the door um, and get them to school on time, right? So there's moments where you just do and there's not a moment. Parenting really means guiding, right? There's some type of um, 
And discipline means disciple. You're, you're teaching your kid. So in those moments, um, it might not go to plan and that's okay. And then you can talk about it if there's a moment later. It's hard to, you know, uh, revisit and storytell with a two and a half year old who usually has forgotten about what happened um, earlier. But sometimes it's worth it to talk about what happened um, later once, you know, time has passed and everyone is um, more regulated. And then you can say, hey, I want to talk to you about getting ready for school. And this is where on another podcast, I'll talk about how narrating has been a game changer for us. And I find myself when I do it, it works like a charm. And when I don't, uh, usually things become wild. Anyway, okay, I'm going to get to Paxton. He has been patient as I recorded this podcast. We've been all over the place, sleeping, feeding, bouncing, um, you know, pinky in the mouth, all these things. Who knows what this kid needs right now? Probably just a little bit of attention. So with that, I'm going to wrap up today's podcast episode. I would love to hear what books you've read in the parenting space. Obviously, I mentioned a couple. Um, I'm going to put a few others that I've read in um, in the show notes because I think that they are worth reading and they've been helpful for me. But I'd love to hear from you. DM me at the mom tuition. I'd love to hear what you thought of this podcast episode. How has parenting been for you? What's been working for you? What doesn't? Let's connect because this is the foundation of um, being a parent is the parenting. And I would love to hear how it's been for you. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the mom tuition podcast.